0: You don't have to be a storyteller or writer because, guess what? Life writes the best stories.
1: Hear my true stories. Uh, Would you advise someone who's like moving to Uganda for a longer time to learn the language?
0: It's respectful. We expect people to learn English when they come over here. So why aren't we doing the same when we go to Uganda? it's very, very important. It's empowering for you to learn a new skill. It's respectful for the local community. It will help you to feel more part of the community and then you'll know what's going on. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one podcast. Hear my My true true story.
1: our dear listeners welcome back yet again to another wonderful episode of our podcast hear my true story yeah it is me your host otako and this week we have a wonderful episode with our previous guest karen we continue a conversation to talk about so many things that happen in uganda but We shall talk more about the beautiful and the wonderful things that you can experience when you decide to live in Uganda. I mean, are you a person who is living in the global north? Maybe Europe, maybe the US, maybe Canada. And you are thinking of moving to Uganda and live there. Well, this is the right episode for you to listen to the experiences and stories from someone who has lived in a country in Africa uganda in east africa yeah, and you get to learn how can you also as a person be able to live in a country for over 10 years and you make it and you really enjoy the process of learning the language learning the people learning the cultures well stay tuned on this wonderful episode
0: welcome to a brand new episode hear my true stories
1: Yes. Hello, my friend. How are you?
0: I am great. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. So uh, could you please maybe introduce yourself for our dear listeners on the podcast so that they can get to know you more?
0: Okay. My name is Karen Riley. I used to live in Uganda. I just moved back just over a month ago. I lived in Uganda for nearly 12 years, mainly working in the arena of um, vulnerable children and their mothers. Um, And I ran an organization called Reunite, which used to get children back home who had been trafficked for adoption um, or kidnapped or stuck in orphanages. We would get them back home to their families.
1: Wow. Thank you so much for that wonderful short introduction. In the previous episodes, you shared so much about moving to Uganda with your family. Well, so this is my question. You talked about raising your kids in, in Uganda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you? As a parent, as a white parent, what was your experience?
0: Honestly, I cannot tell you how amazing it was. And I cannot speak highly enough. Um, my children um, did the last part of their schooling for, I think, the last five years in the most incredible school called the Keisha International School. I cannot tell you how amazing that school is. It's it's like a world leader school. It is exceptional, exceptional teachers, the way that they do everything. I just loved and adored that school and I can't speak highly enough about it. One of the most amazing things as well about um, schooling in Uganda is you are outdoors a lot because the weather is so amazing. You do a lot of things outdoors. And I know um, a friend of mine that ended up moving to London uh He's Ugandan, the boy. And I remember him telling me that was one of the things he found hard when he went to school in London. Everything was indoors because of the the weather was so bad. Of course, when he got there, he'd started not in the summer. He started in, when the weather was getting colder. So that's one of the great things. Also, just the fact that you are in a minority. I really like the fact that my children were the, minori- were the minority. I think it's really important to put yourselves into these situations to know how it feels in a different kind of way, of course, because there's still white privilege there. We live in a country which is is elevating that, like we discussed before. But the fact that my children have got lifelong friends now all over the world, American, Korean, of course, Ugandan, Eritrean, Ethiopian, Congolese, you know, all all different countries of the world. What a great experience to, to, to grow up. On a level with children in school, you're all on the same level. You're all being treated the same, which they did in Acacia. It was an exceptional school. There was no no way they were going to treat anybody differently. I loved that school so much. And, um, yeah, so that was really great. I can't say anything bad about uh, about our, our situation and our experience of school. It was phenomenal to the degree my daughter's just got A star A star B in her A levels in her three A levels you can't get much higher than that um, and then she got eleven GCSEs mainly A stars A's this is in Uganda Congrats. this is a school in Uganda yeah thanks I'm boasting now I'm really proud yeah. I'm so proud I saw I'm your
1: proud. posts on Facebook and I was yeah. seeing them like wow congratulations. Yeah,
0: I'm so proud. But I want to say that is a school in Uganda. That school was set up by an American man, but he grew up in East Africa. He's got a love for the continent. He's got a love for education. And he has now created with his staff something truly magnificent and that is in Uganda so you know I know when we moved to Uganda people were thinking oh my gosh what education are they gonna have and how, how is it gonna work out and what if they don't get qualifications my daughter is a prime example you know of what happens and um my son wasn't as academic, but my son got other really good skills from his experience in school. He went to a different school uh, than my daughter's. But um, he got a lot of sporting and theatrical and musical experience. And, and he's a great orator, which is helping mm. now with his radio show. And he learned that from being in Uganda. So I think, once again, that's an example of where Western um, uh, prejudice uh, lies when they think, automatically, ah, Uganda, you're not going to get a a good education. Nothing good comes out of Uganda. It's not true. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's not true. And it's good that you share this experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the beautiful things that you enjoy about Uganda that would make you call Uganda your second home if you do think so?
0: Oh, my gosh. I absolutely loved going to a place called The Haven in Ginger, outside Ginger, It was on the River Nile. We used to camp. And um, <clears throat> I loved, loved, loved the River Nile. What a privilege to live in a country where the source of the Nile starts, where that amazing, magnificent river bubbles up and starts right there in Uganda. What a privilege to actually camp alongside the River Nile with all the stories, with all the history, with all the magic around uh, uh, around the Mad- uh, around the River Nile, incredible. So I loved, I loved the countryside. I loved. I went to Lake Banyoni. I had the privilege to go there for. We spent New Year's there one year. Um, yeah, the driving at the end was really scary. <laughs> when you're, yeah, after Cabali, you know that bit. Have you been to Lake Bunyoni?
1: Yeah, I've been to Lake Bunyoni. Oh so. my gosh,
0: that top bit when you've got to go up, 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 and then you think you're going to fall down. And like my social worker said, a lot of people's cars go over the edge. That bit was scary. But mm. apart from that, wow, what a magnificent place of history, of beauty, of, and, and you know, I love the fact that, you know, this whole end chat, end chat, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, mm. re, re, the relaxation and the laid back can get on your nerves in some respects to do with work. But when it comes to leisure and pleasure, you, you don't beat it. Well, you probably are along the same level as Jamaica, isn't it? Like really laid back, mm. relaxed. People, people know how to party people know how to relax as well and uh and I like about Uganda that people spend time talking to you and listening to you it's not high bye because that's western culture high bye, but in Uganda how's your mum how's your dad how's your uncle how's your chicken how's your goat how's the business I mean it's all that isn't it it's 20 minutes of yeah. asking of uh, the greetings at the beginning. Yeah, there's so much to love. The weather, of course, is is wonderful. I mean, I did miss the cold and I did miss the rain because um, I come from a country of, of, of rain. Um, I know we had our downpours in Uganda, but mm. generally it's it's hot all the time. So the weather. And of course, the wonderful restaurants and the wonderful hotels that nobody tells you about. I mean, from a tourism point of view, mm. Uganda is Fantastic. And there are some amazing people in in Uganda that are really, really trying to push uh tourism and are doing incredible work. They need more support, you know, of course. But I would really recommend people go there to Uganda as a holiday destination. Wonderful. Oh. You can't oh. beat it. And like I said, hotels. Did you ever go to Latitude Zero? I don't know if that opened no. after you left.
1: I think that opened when I left, I don't know. But um That's
0: that's you know, on top of McKinney Hill.
1: I've gone to Machon Falls. I've gone to Kawaali. I've gone to uh, Punyonyo. I've gone to Jinja. I mean, there are those nice places that you can visit.
0: So I think it's important for people to know. Uganda has a lot to offer. It's a great holiday destination. Um, people are very friendly. And, you know, go and spend your money in that way. so into the economy. Buy from local shops. But get clothes made by local tailors. Just don't go and visit orphanages.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, uh, you don't miss the Boda Bodas? No,
0: that's, no, that's a good, that's actually, do you know what I do and I don't, I I don't miss them when I'm driving because they were an absolute pain. Do you know, I don't know if your friends have told you on your family, they've got worse. There were so many of them because what happened with COVID when, with all the COVID money coming in, this is what I got told anyway, by a lot of people, a lot of high up people bought a whole pile of Boda's. And then they were renting them out to, to these guys to, to make money out of them. So there were too many boulders on the road. So when you were driving, it was really dangerous, actually. Really dangerous. I can't tell you. It was like a swarm of flies around you all the time. I was worried I was going to knock them. I don't miss boulders when I'm driving, but I miss bodas when I'm walking somewhere and I want to get one. Because you know what it's like. 30 seconds or even one second, you've got a boulder. Motorbikes, uh, m-
1: uh, taxi, motorbike. That, yeah, I can explain this to now. the listeners. Uh, but about us, um, how did they get this name? Uh, we in Uganda, we we had the border of Kenya, Tanzania, or maybe Kenya, Uganda, and then Tanzania, Kenya. There are these bicycles that could cross people from one border to another. So that's how the name comes up. And it's like the bicycle at first was making people cross from the border of Kenya to Uganda. In Busia, And then people could call them, hey, I'm going to Kenya, border, across the border, I'm going across the border. That's how the name came up, border, border. But then it moved to motorbikes. So people use the motorbikes and they call them border, border. So they help people to move from one place to another in a very quick way. That's what they would term the border, border that we are talking about right now.
0: Exactly. And the great thing about them is they're very fast and they get you through the traffic because the traffic is terrible in Kampala. It's just the truth. It's terrible to go into town. So, of course, with the boda, they're like water. They find their way through. They can get through anything um, and they're quick. They can be dangerous. You know, so I mean, I always made sure most, most people, you know, the best advice is you get one from a boda stage. You have these stages in every community where they're known. If you just pick up somebody that just happens to drive past you, that can be more problematic if there's a problem then and you don't know what stage they were from. And also I would just talk to them for a few minutes before I would get on, ask, you know, how's their wife, if they got a wife. Because I, t- I tended to find if they were fathers and husbands or they had a partner, they didn't always, they weren't like these wild, reckless young guys so much and then i just wanted to make sure they weren't stoned or they weren't drunk or something as well mm. um as well but as long as that wasn't there i loved them i love bodas i've ne- I never had an accident on one i I, wow. I didn't go on them all the time of course because yeah, i yeah, had a you, car
1: you are lucky too because these the border borders in uganda their most risky transport form people Accidents. They're the most.
0: They're they're the most risky, but they're also the most exciting. I mean, that's the problem. It's like anything in life, isn't it? Normally, yeah. the most risky is the most exciting. <laughs> but but um. But like I said, if if I put those things I I said earlier into place, normally I would make sure that you know, and I would just gently not hit. I wouldn't hit anyone, but just put my hand on their shoulder if they were going a bit too fast, and I would just say, "And polar, and polar." You know, slowly, slowly, mm. and then they would then they would slow down then. Um, yeah, but yeah, they're an exciting, exciting transport to go on without a doubt.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. I miss them too because I'm not there, but of course, I also have I fear them because they are risky. But yeah. they are really good. If you visit Uganda, you can definitely try out border borders, taking them, but they are risky but exciting. With Will you every week, hear my true story. 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 You found the greeting, Ugandan greeting, a bit more welcoming. People ask yeah. you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I learned, I learned it all. I mean, I'm still. Okay, I mean, my, I mean the afternoon now, because there's the morning and then there's the afternoon. So mm. the afternoon, and then they say, bologna, and then J uh, Co. So I knew, I knew all of the, it's like a script, isn't it? Mm. Like the introductions are a script, you have to say the script. Mm. Don't go off the script, because if you go off the <laughs> script, they'll still say their bit that was supposed to be for the script. So I, I learned. I learned that. So I, I learned, and, and the funniest thing is, I found when I was stopped by the police, which happened a lot, of course, by the traffic police. Um, I found because I knew the greetings and I knew the way to do that whole introduction thing. I never ever had a problem. I was never asked or put in that situation where they wanted me to pay them a bribe for anything, because they were like, "Ah, you are Uganda now," and and um, that was it. I just went on to a different seems to, they seem to respect me a bit more, but then they thought that I was fluent. So then they started like going, some of them would go into like these long conversations about politics or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not fluent. You know, I only know certain things. I can't, t- <laughs> I can't talk about politics, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. When you get to learn the language, just like you tried hard to learn the language, you become part of the community
0: yeah yes true yeah it's true yeah, yeah, it's true. yeah I, I I actually at the beginning of being there in the first few months, um a really lovely American friend of mine and I we used to go and have language lessons lessons with this older Ugandan man, but it was just too expensive, you know, and I just couldn't afford to pay that, so in the end, I thought, okay, I'll stop that, and now I'll just try and learn off the bodas so every time I would go on a boda or every time I was with my colleagues, I would just be trying to learn something extra each time. I mean, like, like every language I can understand more than I can speak, which Mm. seems to be quite common, um, with, with language. So that, that was helpful. So in the end I was, I I wasn't, I wasn't getting, I was getting around 50%, I would say, of the conversations that was that were were being had, which was good, but to be able to actually speak then, um, properly, um, wasn't so good, but it's actually one of my aims now. I've actually got that as a goal. I want to try and learn Luganda fluently now, now that I'm back, because I feel, you know, I've got my, I've got my really good friend here and her family that all uh, Luganda speakers because they're from Kampala and um, she, she lives close to me. I even saw her last week, which was wonderful. Mm. Um, so I was thinking if I could learn while I'm away and I've, I've got my books that I bought in Uganda, my, my language books, um, that would be a really good thing. So, when I actually come back to visit next time, um, I can speak a bit more, which would be
1: good. So, uh, would you advise someone who's like moving to Uganda for a longer time to learn the language that the hundred, locals speak? 100%.
0: 100 hundred hundred, I can't, I can't um, say that enough. 100%. It's respectful. We expect people to learn English when they come over here. So why aren't we doing the same when we go to Uganda? It's very, very important. It's empowering for you to learn a new skill. It's respectful for the local community. It will help you to feel more part of the community and then you'll know what's going on. Because the worst thing is, is when you're hearing somebody saying, you know, la 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 muzungu, la 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 muzungu. So you know you're being talked about. You stood there right in front of them they're talking about you but you don't know you don't know what they're saying so it's much better for many many reasons you know to to learn the language and it's a great it's a great a great scale I am really so in awe of Ugandans my colleague one of my colleagues guess how many languages he could speak mm. eight he could speak eight so outside of English Swahili he could speak so many what was that six other Uh, languages, Luganda, of course, and then all of the other languages uh, from from the dialects from the different regions of of Uganda. What an an impressive thing that Ugandans are incredible linguists and the way that Ugandans have a grasp on so many languages. People in the West don't know about that or really understand the absolute greatness of that. When we as English-speaking people it's because it's the default language of the world, isn't it? English. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you do you, you when you get when you get um, born into a country that speaks English, we become very lazy. You know, we were taught a little bit of French. I can do the basics of French um, that I learned in school. I stopped at fourteen, so I only learned from like eleven to fourteen. But I got a few basics. And of course, Welsh. I mean, Welsh is very important, but I was never taught Welsh because Welsh was only really starting to be revered when my younger sister started school because when we were colonised by the English, they ripped away our language and, you know, raped our women and all sorts of stuff going on and like any colonialism that goes on. And we lost a lot as Welsh people, not just our language, like our culture and so much. So, so much of that has been coming back now, you know, and Mm. the the language is, 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 is one of them, but I can't speak Welsh. And it's a really... It's a really um, wild language because there's a lot of <laughs> like it sounds mm. like spitting, you know, it's uh, but it's a very poetic language as well. When you actually you can Google somebody speaking Welsh, you'll hear what I mean. It's uh, it, it sounds like an, an impossible language to learn. But yes, definitely. I would definitely say that if you're going over to Uganda and you can get stuff online now, there's so much stuff you can get even if you start with the greetings and learn about how to get a uh you know, and how to say today, tomorrow, him, her, you know, all the basics, the basic conversational, conversational, uh, Luganda, uh, if you're going to be based in, in central, mm. uh, region. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that makes it, uh, to almost our last question. What do you think some, some of the things that you think maybe the Europe or maybe the... The UK or maybe the US should learn from Uganda or maybe Africa. What things should they learn from? I hope you experience.
0: I think um, the importance of family, the importance of community, the importance of um, relaxing. And not getting stressed out. If you look at the yes, yes, of course, we have got mental health. Definitely, you know, I, I worked in Butabika, as you know. Uh, we had a, a program there for a while. Mental health is definitely there. Um and addiction is definitely there, but it's not on any levels compared to the UK and the and the rest of the rest of the West. It's not. It's not. And I think a lot of that has got to do with just priorities. Uh, of, of there is definitely people relax more and people aren't all about speed. You know what it's like in the West, you live in Germany, everything is about now, no 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 speed, speed. And when I moved back, I found out really hard at the beginning. I mean, we found and we're beginning to walk in our natural rhythm now, you know, me and my daughters, um, because at the beginning I felt really pushed that people were like, no, no, when, when are you going to do this? And it was too much. It was just too much. So, um, I think that's really, really great. Um, Yeah, I think Ugandans seem quite respectful. I mean, if you look at the way that Muslims live uh, alongside Christians and other faiths, I mean, you really, you you have Eid, you really respect Eid. They're days off big time in Uganda. They're not here in in the UK. They're not bank holidays. They're not days off. So I think you're respectful.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I I also, here in German, I miss the community and the yeah. greetings that they know. Really, yeah. You meet someone, just say hello, hello, understand. Exactly. The, f- I, the, the first time I was here, I, I was greeting people and I was, you know, greeting them like Ugandan. Yeah. And then you know, I was told, yeah, but that seems not our culture here. People just say yeah. hello, hello. Because you exactly. sleep somewhere in an apartment, you don't know your neighbor, you don't know who stays up or who stays down. You don't know.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's the thing. Everyone knows everything in Uganda. You can't hide anything. Everyone knows everything. It's really funny because when people would come to my house for the first time, you know, if they were coming by foot or on boulders, I could just tell them, as soon as you get to my village, you just ask where the Mzungu lives, where the white person lives. Everyone knew. I mean, everyone and people know stuff about you. And people are so observant. I mean, it's. I mean, it, it could be full of FBI people. I'm telling you, CIA agents, because you're so so observant. Yeah, don't and- miss a trick. And people share things. And this is the other funny thing that Western people find funny, is. You know, people know you're on your way. Like even before you've got there, even before you've told somebody that you're going to arrive there, somebody has seen something or 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 saw your car and is now on a boat and has got and has reached there and said, "Oh yeah, they're up. They're like a mile away." So uh, you know, Western Western uh, culture is all about your phone and I'll be there in in fifteen minutes or half an hour. But yeah the way that the bird somehow gets that information to people. Um, We found that the same with uh, when we were looking for the families of the children in orphanages Mm. that we were looking for. Everyone knows everything. You just have to, because how we would always work, we would take a photograph of the child as soon as we started working with that particular child. So then you go to a community and you show the picture. Honestly, I went once, the person said, he looks exactly like his dad. I'm going to take you to the house now. Mm. That's how it worked. Because everyone knows everything and you're right. I think here in the West, it's seen as nosy and seen as like sticking your nose into somebody else's business and everyone's behind their doors and, you know, you rarely see people uh, so much because it's like my, my castle is my home Mm. attitude. Um, Whereas of course in, in Uganda, people's houses, unless they're wealthy, tend to Mm. be smaller. So you use your outdoor space a lot more, you're cooking outside your pit latrine is outside and you and you're hanging around outside sitting outside so much more so yeah. i i noticed that a lot the the outside of your home is just as important as the inside and it makes your home larger but you then tend to be talking to your neighbors more yeah and
1: of course, uh, the community is also a form of like security because when you know people around the community, you speak to them, they know who is an includer in the community, who is new, who is not supposed to be there. They get suspicious and they inform the security that we are suspicious about this person. Because
0: exactly. Because that's the other thing that I was impressed with your setup, that you have an LC. Um, so that stands for local chairman. When you have there five, isn't there? LC one goes down to LC five, but you also have like LC defense and you have a number on the defense team for each small area. Mm. So basically if you have an issue and a problem, which we did sometimes, you know, we, we would just go to the LC. I was fortunate enough that two of the defense, uh, team, uh, lived actually in my tiny little area where I, where I stayed. So they were literally next door and, and diagonal across. So I could just, when we had our attempted break-ins, I, I could go and involve them quickly. But that to me is a really fantastic setup. Whereas here, you just go to the police, I suppose, or just you have a police station in your area but you don't have that kind of setup with the lc and i know of course that can also cause issues and can be problematic in terms of like if they're trying to get money out of you if they're mm. if they're dodgy but they're not all dodgy i mean we we found in our area they were really helpful make sure to leave a review this makes
1: our day and fuels future episodes hear my true stories. story, true story. Mm. yeah and I found it hard when I came here making friends in 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 Europe in German particularly to make friends is quite hard. I don't know about you. How was it for you like making friends in Uganda when you just came in Uganda
0: no i to be honest I think because of the, because of what we've spoken about before with white privilege um I think it's it's different. I don't think it can be compared because I know definitely black friends of mine that have come from the continent to to the UK, they've told me the same thing that they didn't find it easy. Um but yeah, it's it's interesting. I my personal experience I found um I mean the Ugandan good friends that I had tended to be through work, neighbors, um church, through things like that. So we were all coming in on the same level. Um, if I just tried to make friends with somebody that I just spoke to in a cafe or something, I don't think it would uh, happen like that. And of course it was hard for me to be friends with people that were kind of living in extreme poverty because it would be difficult to have a an equal relationship then because they might be expecting financial support from me that I couldn't give. But in terms of like equal relationships with Ugandans, um no, I didn't find it hard. And, and I've got, i made some really great friends and I'm really, really grateful for WhatsApp and for the internet that I'm able to have video calls and calls and send messages and keep in touch with people. That's been really brilliant. It's been a really good bridge for me because I think if I'd just left and then had to cut off from all of those people that I've known for so long, it would have been really, really hard. But um, at least now with, like I said, with the internet-based um, ways of communication, it's, it's made my, my my transition back much easier. And it's been great that I know that we can stay friends ongoing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Internet has really made it really quicker for people to connect and you get to know each other. Yeah, I understand that. Sometimes it can be difficult to have friends when there's this uh, economic, you know, social class and that in a world where everything is extreme can be hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's true. So how have you found it now? Have you got a good group of friends now or are you still
1: uh, I I I personally have friends here in German but it took me time to make friends. And also because I don't want to make a community where to just be with fellow African, Afro dosh or Afro German people. I I want to make friends. So it happens that you make friends with the same way through work, you know, I do work, maybe school sometimes even not in school because there's a difficult when everything in German is fast. Yeah. To meet, you need to make an appointment, to even to to arrange time to meet outside, you need to make an appointment, everything you need to create to make friendship in Europe or in German, you need to invest in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that will be really hard coming from uganda to to the west definitely because everything's so much more spontaneous in uganda isn't it
1: yeah.
0: it is you can just pass by yeah. you don't have to you don't have to phone and say you just knock on the door but i mean you know here no way i mean even for me because i'm obviously british if I and mean, it depends how good a friend it is if it's a friend that really knows me It's okay, but I tend to clean my house before a visitor's coming. You know, that gives Mm. me the incentive to clean the house. So I wouldn't mind having at least like a few hours notice, but it's a very big difference. That's a cultural difference that I think for you advising fellow Ugandans, if they do come to to the West, it's a big one
1: Yeah,
0: as well as the greetings, because as a Western person, you know, you can think, oh, why is this person keeping me talking for this long? Why don't they just like get on with it? I've said hello. What else do they want? <laughs> you, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. So oh, that's yeah. good. Are there many Ugandans living in Germany?
1: Yeah, of course. There are many Ugandans who live in Europe and German. I know, but I can't know everyone. No, you can't
0: know everyone. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in your area, I mean,
1: in, I, you mean thing. in Mabu? Uh, yeah, there are Ugandans living here. Of course, I can't. I cannot know everyone, and I don't. I don't have maybe time to look for them and say, let me look for Ugandans, but they are there. They are there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the cultural differences. Do you face culture shocks also when you come back to?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yes. They call it culture shock. No, they call it reverse culture shock. When you come back to your country Mm. is worse than when you go to Uganda. Absolutely. When I went to Uganda, it was all fascinating. Every single thing, the things that boaters were driving, the way that everyone was walking on the side of the street, the amount of children that were everywhere. You know, that was so fascinating to me. And as a photographer and as a visual person, it was just a visual feast, like every single day that you walked out the door. Coming back here just over a month ago, it was a very, very big shock. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to assimilate back in. I don't know how I'm going to do this. The biggest thing, I mean, I'm fine now. It took it took three weeks, to be honest, um, of being in shock. But things have been a lot better the last few weeks. Um, the biggest thing I found difficult was, was just tech, everything's technology-based now. And um, all the paperwork, like paperwork for everything and they want to know everything and they want to know where you've been and what you've been doing. Like I had to try and prove myself that I was a proper British citizen, um, uh, having to give them all this information. And I'm not an admin person at all. And I found that like the admin and the technology side of stuff, Really, 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 really difficult. Um, that was the main thing. I didn't find shopping difficult because some people get overwhelmed by the size of the shopping uh, shops um, compared to Uganda and the and the amount of choice. Because I because obviously I've been back and forth for like the last nearly twelve years every summer, so I knew what that felt like and I knew how to deal with that. But when you live somewhere, like I said earlier, it's much different than when you're just visiting because living long term mm. permanently is is a different scenario but there was so much that i loved as well i just loved that welsh people are so friendly and talkative and talk to anybody um whereas it, it, i didn't find um that it wasn't on the same level as it is in uh, 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 that uganda mm. um so i loved that and just the fact that people understood me was lovely because in uganda Many people didn't understand my accent and I could I could never make a phone call, not even to my colleagues that, I, that I'd worked with for 11 years. They couldn't understand one word that I said on the phone. So, because I talk quickly, of course, and, and I have got a Welsh accent, which not many people are used to, that accent. But coming back, everyone understood me and that was just so lovely. I didn't have to explain myself at all or repeat myself or speak really slowly yeah but uh yeah but reverse culture shock it's real have you you been back to uganda since you moved to germany
1: not and i know i'll also face the same thing because of it all it is always the culture the system when you go back home one time i was six months away from uganda and i went back i went back and i found things like you find a difference in the system everything everything yeah you find you don't understand why someone doesn't ask you a paper they just say, no, you pay this, pay. And like, no, I need a for this. They're like, no, we don't have that. Okay, I need to pay for this and this. I need this document. In Uganda, everything is is yeah. it's, its own way. I don't also understand this. It's, it's another thing. So I am because I work also in Uganda, at the same time I'm here, when we work with the organization, you find that there are things that you need, paperwork, you need documentation. In Uganda, they tell you, ah, oh, yeah, we can't have that.
0: Yeah. 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 It's quite annoying. People don't like to put things in writing. I mean, often we found that with our work, obviously they don't want a paper trail and they don't want you to be able to use that as evidence against them. I mean, cause of obviously a lot of the time, unfortunately we were working with, um, with cases where they'd been like, like we've said earlier with corruption and, and stuff, it wasn't like we were working with always legitimate, um, people that wouldn't have minded, uh, emailing or, or giving you something, But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you'll find the reverse culture shock a bit of a shock. I mean, you'll find as well interesting um, the development that has happened because of COVID. So much much money came into the country, um, and a lot of that money, unfortunately, went into the wrong pockets. And you'll see a lot of uh, apartment blocks, shopping malls that have sprung up, Um, obviously the Chinese uh, working on that road and the bypass, the flyover, which is is uh, starting and everything. Yes, yeah, so you'll see a lot of things—the landscape that have changed since since you left.
1: Yeah, that's when I'm I'm real aware of it. I plan to visit Uganda, right? Um, maybe next year, when it's ending, I try to go to Uganda, and then get oh, myself nice. back on the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, because of time, I really don't think we can really make so much here right now because we have used almost one hour and a half. Would you like to say bye to the listeners, maybe in Luganda or maybe in English, your choice? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got to try and remember goodbye now. that's um, Is it Welaba?
1: Yeah, Mweraba, um, yeah.
0: Welaba, yeah. Yeah, Welaba. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. I hope I didn't talk too much. I hope maybe something I said challenged you or made you think twice, as they say in Uganda. Um, yeah, and thank you. And thank you for listening to Okato's podcast. He's great. I'm a big fan of his work and everything he does. So yeah, yeah. may, may it grow bigger and more widespread and let people hear what you're saying and your guests. It's really, it's a really great podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah so dear listener thank you so much for joining us in this podcast and we can't continue beyond this and i would just like to say bye for now we not only have voices for a podcast but also faces for youtube don't miss your next episode hear my true story,
0: true story. Thank you for listening to our podcast, music by Edwin Matovo, hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website, hearmytruestory.com for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.